happy Saturday. Welcome to Unsupervised Leadership, Season 2, Episode 6. We're still looking for a sponsor, so if you're out there, we're right here. (laughs) We are right here, and actually, it's fall. Pollyanna came up today on our interview, and we're still open to you being Mm -hmm. our sponsor, Pollyanna. We are, because we love that they brought back their Dreamsicle, Creamsicle beer, I'm going to go there this week to get some because it's amazing. That is not what we're drinking today though. No, but I bet everyone is wondering what we're drinking. So we have, we have several things happening and I'm really excited about Mm -hmm. this. Number one, today I'm drinking kettle one botanical vodka spritz, cucumber and mint. It's really good. Isn't it? It's very refreshing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not sweet. No. It's, I don't know. I just really enjoy it. And I didn't even know that these things existed in cans, but they do. And I'm feeling like this is going to take us through winter into spring and will be a continued great summer drink for us. Okay. I really like that you're that excited about it. I am. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a fall surprise guys. So I was getting sick and tired of just drinking Prosecco because it's boring. So I made a false surprise and we drank it last night and today because it's so good. (laughs) Tell us what's in it. It is Prosecco and then you add a shot of butter shots um, and then you're going to add caramel apple cider to your drink and it tastes fantastic. So one of the things you're not telling everyone is what was so great about last night is that Kate had beautiful (laughs) champagne glasses, but at the top, it was a rim of caramel and was that toffee? Yeah. Crushed toffee. Oh, that's really good. That's what happens when it, you used to be a bartender for 10 years. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to make like a specialty drink and it's delicious. And you can drink it all night. It was really great. Let's go ahead and cheers to this, shall we? Let's <laughs> keep going. We also have some other shout outs. Courtney, you got to see two of our season one guests, Sandy and Nancy this past week, and we love them. Oh, do we ever? And I had the honor of giving Nancy Blair in person, the exemplary service award from IASA. She won the award. She wasn't able to be at the conference. We were all together in person this week. So I had the honor of doing that. You know, it was super cool. I emailed everyone that was in the cohort and said, we're going to give her this award. If you want to say anything about Nancy, fill out this form. And I made her stand there as I read every single response from people. And she was mortified, but yet honored. And it was so cool. And at the end, she goes, okay, I feel like I've just been at my funeral, but I'm alive. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take all of the comments and I'm putting them into a coffee table book, just like Daniela did for me when Mm -hmm. I left Lamont. And it's just a great memory. And you look at these things and it, it brings you back to why we do the work that we do. Cause sometimes I think we lose sight of that. I agree. That's really nice of you. Be a nice human. I really love that. <laughs> well, I stole the idea from what happened when I left Lamont and Daniela did that for me. But at the same point, Nancy was like overwhelmed and I wasn't surprised at all to hear all of these things that are said about her but it brings us back to the concepts of humility, mm-hmm. leadership, all of those things. But I'm glad that we were able to say it to her face yeah. because we do need to, we need to honor people that are well-deserving of it. And she certainly is. I agree. There's nothing better than celebrating and elevating a future <laughs> and current educator. Yeah. Well, 
I want to jump to what we've been doing. So we mentioned last night and Kate had these really great drinks, but what Kate's not telling you is that she hosted a party with a psychic. (laughs) I did. It's like spooky for the fall. Why not? Yeah. So, oh, everyone, first of all, the psychic walks in and looks at me and says, you're afraid of me. You were. I totally was. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. She's like, oh, I can tell. And then we were deciding, is she going downstairs? Is she upstairs? And as she's walking past me, then she looks at me and says, I can't wait to read your cards. Then yeah. I really was afraid. Then you were scared. You were even more scared. You were like, I'm not going first. I'm going second or third or whenever. Oh my gosh. You know, what was so cool though. And why I think it's important to talk about it here is that you were there with five of your really close friends and you invited me, which was so sweet and kind of you. So I didn't really know these women (laughs) at all, these people, people, but they were just a great group of girls. And I loved hanging. You guys were so welcoming and inviting and everybody was so kind and it was just a really great vibe and environment. And there's so many times where you walk into a situation like that and you're like, what is this going to be like? Are people going to be weird? Is it going to be awkward? These were just really strong, confident, amazing women that were together. And I was just happy for you because I'm like, you have such a great group of friends. They are. They're very inclusive, super kind. Mm -hmm. And Courtney and I played this game last night. Like, let's talk about the things that you hate, you know, currently about your job or things you wish you can change. Because we're always wondering, like people in other fields, what do you love? What do you hate? What do you wish you had more of? And it's always fascinating to hear people's perspectives, especially those that are not in education. So for example, one of my girlfriends said, I hate that at my job and she works in like corporate America, that they always try and give me these stupid trainings. She's like, I go to these trainings, go to these trainings. They don't pertain to me. I sit there. I hate it. Whatever. I wish that that part was cut out of my job. I would be a much better employee if it was gone. And then my other girlfriend was like, wait a second, my whole job is based on retraining people how to do their job when it doesn't work. And she works in a different facet for a different company. And she talks all the time about how her main job is she goes into different companies and different plants and then retrains the workers on how to make a better profit or do their job better. So she said, so the thing that you hate about your job is the thing that gives me a job. And that was an interesting concept because we talk a lot about what irritates us in education, what we hate, what we love, what we wish we could change. And I think it really does depend on the culture and climate of your workplace. Yeah. Organizational culture and health is something that we consistently talk about, but I don't think we can get enough of it. And I don't think that we should stop talking about it, but there are a lot of commonalities. When I heard your one girlfriend say that, I thought (laughs) how many teachers sit there and think this training or professional development does not apply to me. In fact, I've been doing some trainings that we have early childhood teachers through high school teachers sitting in the same training. And I always do a pre-survey. Like, what are you hoping to get out of this workshop? And a high school teacher says early dismissal, because there is no way that you're going to be able to teach a high school teacher and a primary teacher in one setting. And then on top of it, a building principal called me this week. And we had a conversation and he said that he was meeting with his learning committee and his learning committee was concerned about a unit level professional development, because how could we possibly learn from 
someone teaching preschool teachers and teaching AP chem teachers, for example. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm really glad that you're bringing this to, to light and I appreciate it, but I've done this now with thousands of teachers. And let me tell you, leadership is leadership. Mm -hmm. Humanity is humanity. (laughs) Education is a human profession, regardless if you teach kindergartners or high schoolers. And I know that we probably have listeners in this uh, unsupervised leadership space right now that have had the opportunity to do some work with me, but I think we have to be intentional about that. But when they said that last night, I was thinking, wow, I bet the many things that they say, we feel it in education too, but they were, I mean, to bring it back, they're a really cool group. They were, you know what though, that point just made me think when you started talking about that in education, do you know why people probably feel that way? Because all of our SIP days and PD for the most part is always focused around curriculum, data, student growth. There is not enough time given out. I don't think to educators to have a professional development setting on like team building Mm -hmm. and just like personal, social, emotional traits to help educators. Um, which is why I think when they go to your PD, they're like, oh yeah, you can do this across all different aspects. Um, and I'm guilty of that too. I have staff meetings now that I'm thinking about it, that I probably could differentiate better and, or do some things just revolving around team building. Yeah. I've done Institute days that the kitchen staff is there. Yeah. The bus drivers are there. The custodians are there. And I do think it's a challenge to be able to meet the needs of all of those people. But if you're talking about just being human, well, we can all relate to that. Right. Yeah. But the days of having meetings just to have a meeting. Oh, I can't. I hate that. (laughs) The days, the days of we're bringing everyone together in this space to learn about this particular curricular resource. We got to do a better job. Yeah. I think that's why people get frustrated. And that's what I heard your friends <laughs> who are in the business world talking about. Yes. And so it's not just education. We no. see it happening in organizations everywhere. Yeah. It's effective communication because think about how many meetings you have where you're like, wow, this really could have been an email. And now everyone's around the table, giving their opinion on something that we don't need to give our opinion on. It's a directive. Mm-hmm. And then you move forward. So, or it's just informational. Like today at blah, blah, blah time, this is happening. We don't need to have a meeting about that. We sure don't. And I hate that. That is an ineffective use of time and it bothers me. Yeah, I know. I'm off on a tangent. No, I know. <laughs> we love our tangents so much. I will say too, that I was very, very happy. I just recently had a birthday and I loved last night. Oh, One of my favorite yeah. moments last night mm-hmm was the fact that you thought I was younger than I actually am. And I, I thought that you knew this, but I'm 47. Yeah. I thought you were 44 this whole time. And I'm so happy about this because those, <laughs> these girls last night, I mean, what, how old, how old were the girls there? They were 34, early, 35. Yeah. In their early thirties. But what I loved is that you welcomed me. You made me feel right at home. Everybody was kind. Everybody was gracious. There was no awkward moments or feeling of, Oh, this is just so weird right now. And so many times females go into positions or rooms or, Mm. you know, different situations and they feel really awkward. You guys were really inclusive. And I just want to say thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) And when are we doing it again? Yeah. You guys were really fun. And I loved hanging out with you and these drinks continue. We're going to hang out, but without the psychic. <laughs> yeah, I'm done with that. Yeah. We are not even going there no. when it comes to that. No. My goodness. The next time we're going to have a drink contest in the winter. So for those of you that want something fun to do with your friends, this is a side note that has nothing to do with um, unsupervised leadership. And no, you cannot do it at a staff meeting because it's not going to be allowed. <laughs> mm-hmm. But 
Well, we each, you know, you get invited to this party and you have to bring enough supplies to make however many drinks for the amount of people there. And you have to have a specialty drink. So there's a theme. So it'll be like, it's the winter time, come and make a drink. And then you have a flight of drinks because everyone makes one drink and you vote on the best one. Oh, and it's so fun. What does the winner get? The winner gets, uh, we get like a little, I always say like, it's an old person, like Bunko prize. You know how like old people play Bunko? Okay. So I used to go to Bunko parties. This is, you drive me crazy. So if it's not Bunko, it's blogs, by the way, blogs are out. I'm bringing (laughs) blogs back. Everyone. If you haven't noticed the blog is still, yes, the blog is still relevant. Oh my God. It's still relevant. In fact, when I wrote my latest blog, (laughs) when I wrote my latest blog, there were so many people chiming in. I don't even know how many people follow the blog, but I don't even care because the people that were chiming in said nice things to you. Yes. And I believe, I mean, if we're writing a book, which we are, are. if we're writing a book, the blog is also, if you think about it, form of part of the chapter, I get it. It's like doing your homework a little bit beforehand. Like I understand. I'm not saying that like, blogs are stupid. I'm just saying that they're out. I'm saying that people don't do it. That's like saying, come to my winter drink contest party. And if you win, I'm going to give you a copy of Courtney's blog. <laughs> or we're going to give you the Bunko bag because some of us maybe still play Bunko. Okay. You're right. We okay. might. And then that's, what's going to happen. Well, anyways, thinking of moving forward, we have an upcoming episode that we want to kind do. of preview when we think about our shout outs before yep. we do an intro of our, our guests today. So one of the things that we've noticed is, and I love this, we have men that listen to the podcast as well as women. And even though it's F4 leaders, all about fun, fabulous, fierce females, we know that men in education are surrounded by women all the time because teachers are predominantly female in our profession. Mm -hmm. And we have a group of male superintendents and principals that have been diehard listeners since we started. Yes, Since we started this journey and we are bringing five of these people, three superintendents and two principals together on one episode to pray for us. There's a lot. Please pray for us because I'm so nervous about it, but we have it set up. We are ready to go, but we do believe that these are men that understand the concept of why we started unsupervised leadership. Yes. And we do feel like they're genuine, true fans. promoters and fans. Mm-hmm. Isn't that great? We have fanboys. <laughs> <laughs> you did not just say that. Fangirls. Oh, if they're listening, I can just imagine how they feel about that. But yes, we it we even started group text. We did. And they're excited, but we are nervous because having what is that? Seven of us on a Zoom trying to get a good episode is going to be a challenge. Well, it's going to be something. And some of them know each other and then some of them do not. And we are not releasing the questions to them in advance. No, we're not. We are not. Yeah, it'll be way better. If we <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be way better. Well, I'm going to let you introduce today's guest. And what I love is that one of our book chapters that we're working on right now mm-hmm. is about if you think that you're ready... You're ready. Mm -hmm. So I think that our guest today exemplifies this. Why don't you go ahead and share with everyone who our guest is, and then we will get to our Sparkle Spotlight. Our guest today is Colleen McNaughton. She is my instructional coach. She is a jack of all trades. She's been in education for over 15 years now, and she does a fantastic job leading our adults and also our students. Um, No, she's not currently looking for a job, so please don't poach her because she's great. 
And without further ado, let's hear from BSL. Hi, everyone. This is Bhavna Sharma Lewis with today's Sparkle Spotlight. Self-care is not selfish. Make sure to put yourself on the top of your to-do list every day and the rest will fall into place. Listen to me when I say this. You will never be as young as you are today. You must take time each day to take care of you inside and out. Your body, your mind, your spirit, and your soul. Do not wait for someone else to remind you to do this because it will never happen. Make it a priority to celebrate you and how special you are. Number one, make a list of what you value the most and make sure you spend time attending to that list each day. Number two, talk to yourself like you would talk to someone you love. Number three, take your vacation days, even if it's to stay home and binge Netflix. And number four, tell someone you love them each day. I promise it will come back to you. Remember, self-care is not self-indulgent, it's self-preservation. Cheers to living your best life and sparkle on. All right, everyone, welcome to our special guest episode with Colleen McNaughton. Full disclosure, she is my instructional coach at my building. You cannot poach her. You cannot contact her after this. You cannot ask her to leave and go to another building. So we just want to get that started before Colleen even starts talking. Isn't that right, Kyle? That's right, Kate. You're very kind, but yes, that's correct. <laughs> so Colleen, tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and most importantly, what's your favorite drink? Okay. Um, so I'm Colleen McNaughton. I'm an instructional coach currently at River Valley. I guess, according to Kate, staying there for a while, yes. at least while she's there. <laughs> you are. <laughs> and I have been working in Lamont school districts for about 22 years. And prior to that, I was in Indianapolis teaching fourth and fifth grade. And in Lamont, I have served as a fifth grade teacher, a reading specialist, and a coach. My, a little bit about myself, I'm the oldest of four kids. I'm really close with my family. I'm a proud aunt of nine nieces and nephews that I spend a lot of time with. A lot and of Christmas presents. I, yeah, <laughs> a lot of Christmas presents and just a lot of hugs and, and snuggles. My favorite drink right now is usually in the beer category, but today I'm having a high noon. Ooh. So I kind of, I like to uh, spread my wealth with my beer, my choices of, of beverages. This is smart. Yeah, we like it. What's your favorite <laughs> beer, Colleen? Oh, that's a tough one. I do love the Pollyanna line that they have. The Dreams of Coal is at the top of my list. But if I'm not going with Pollyanna, I'm probably choosing, I like a 312. I like a Blue Moon. Well, okay. that's why you're one of our guests. Yes. Yeah. Usually We're only in draft though. I'm more of a draft gal than um, in a can or a bottle. Oh, okay. Again, this is why she's a guest. We're still looking for a sponsor. Pollyanna, it still can be you. Yeah. Never, never. <laughs> Hey, That's I think right. we have some, uh, we have some resources in the district. You could probably reach out to tried, been there, done that. Oh, okay. <laughs> we are very persistent though. Okay. Colleen. So you're an instructional coach. You have a great background. You've been in education over 20 years. Just talk to us about how you help staff and students on a daily basis. What does that look like for you? 
So I pride myself on being a cheerleader, a cheerleader for student growth, a cheerleader for teacher growth, I, uh, district growth. I see myself as being the person that they staff can come to if they want to try something new and I'm going to support that. I'm going to cheer them on through that process. Uh, I see myself as a confidant to that staff member. Uh, they can share with me if they completely bomb something, if they have so many questions, they don't know where to start. And my work that I do with the teachers um, in bigger picture makes student growth happen. And I see my role as an important role. Um, and I think that every district should have lots of coaches. Um, I know Kate, Kate agrees with that. Um, I don't think there's so much work that can go around that a coach is invaluable to a school district and to a school. Um, myself personally had the benefit of working with people who I saw as my coaches. And I just see that as a, a, a payback, as an opportunity to be able to pay back things I've learned and my wisdom to help others. I get a lot of, uh, my bucket is filled from seeing the success that have, happens every day in the classrooms, because in the end that helps every student. And I got into this profession because I love kids. I had two brothers who struggled struggled, struggled in school. Um, it's one of the reasons why I went and got my master's degree in reading. And in the end, I, you know, I, I want to have kids feel good about coming out of their school day every day. And I know my work with teachers is helping that. Do you know what I love most about that answer? It what? is completely student and kid focused mm -hmm. in every aspect. We need more of that in education. Agreed. I couldn't agree with you more. Like it, we, I think focus too much on the decisions we make are more teacher focused oftentimes, like how is this going to affect the school day from a teacher's point of view? And how does it affect the teacher in the classroom when really we're, our work needs to be driven by how it's changing students' lives or not changing student lives. If things are not working to better kids, then we're not doing something right. So I agree, Courtney, at the core, at the, at the core of it, that's what we need to be thinking about. Amen. And listen, there's a lot of people listening right now that either don't have instructional coaches in their mm -hmm. building because some school districts don't. Some people have them and they don't utilize them in the greatest capacity to help kids and help teachers. I don't think because I've seen it both ways. And then you have some that do an amazing job like yourself, Colleen, and I wish I could duplicate you so that every grade level had a coach because really the work you do for teachers every single day is help them dissect the curriculum. How can we best meet needs for kids? Um, you're a coach, you're a cheerleader, but you're also a mirror sometimes, a reflection for people to be able to say, yeah, maybe I'm not doing this the right way, but they can hear it from you because there's something different coming from a coach than maybe from an administrator. I think I, I agree. And, you know, sometimes I, I'm real happy. I mean, I fail at my, my work. I, I make mistakes all the time, but I like sometimes the big fail, especially in front of people, because it shows that my vulnerability and the fact that we try things and it might not happen and it, it might not go the way that we want it to, but we pick up the pieces, we start again. And uh, that's how too you build trust with people, right? The, the vulnerability piece is so important. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think coaches are on, it's an underused resource 
And I think oftentimes, I think some places pigeonhole a a coach into a place where it's more resource-based. Like, let me get you this resource. Let me get you this, the thing that's going to help in this moment where really our core of our work is around the, the people and the, the teacher and getting in front of the teacher and having that time for discussion and modeling. And I feel that I have that freedom with you, Kate, as my administrator. And I'm thankful for that because if I was more resource-based, I, I personally wouldn't be challenged and it's not in the end making us better at what we do. What do you think is if someone came to you as a teacher and said, I'm thinking about becoming an instructional coach, but I don't know, like, is this for me? Is it not for me? What is the biggest difference that you see as between a teacher and a coach? So I think the thing that jumps to the top of my mind is that the biggest change from when I was teacher to reading specials to this role is that you see the bigger picture of things. You see the, 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 from a global standpoint and, but yet you're in the classrooms every day. So like you sit on these teams with administration talking about big picture, big growth plans that we have for the districts. But then at the end of the day, like, how are we going to get that to translate into what's happening in the classroom? So if somebody were to come to me and say, like, I'm thinking I'd want to be a coach, I think I would ask questions around the lines of, great, what do you think a coach does? Like, what's the role of that coach? Because if they see it as somebody who is more resource, I'm not sure that they're ready to be the coach, right? In the, in the way that we're trying to move people. And I would want to ask more questions about the why behind it. But at the end of the day, if they have this voice in their head that's saying, I want to try this, I want to try something new, something's weighing on their heart, I think they need to try it. And they know they're going to have people around them to support them. There's a lot that I think we miss about what our inner narrative is telling us. And if somebody has that inner narrative or that inner voice telling them, I'm not happy here anymore. I want to do some different. I wish I could do that portion of that job. I think we got to, to own that and, and give power to that inner narrative that we're saying to ourselves um, and give them a try. It's, it's just like what we ask our kids to do. Try mm-hmm. it. What happens if you fail? You fail and you move on and you try something different. But um, I think it's great that people have the opportunity to try different things. And I think they need to really listen to themselves and talk to the people around them that could help them fine tune their thinking or one they're wondering around a specific role, whether it's coach or being a classroom teacher to a reading specialist or classroom teacher to an EL specialist, those kinds of things. Yeah. That's going to be part of our book. What she just said, right. Yeah. Heard her talking and that's one of our book chapters. And I'm going to extract exactly what you just said. Do we have your permission to utilize that for our book, Colleen? Sure. Love that. There you go. So your situation is unique. And I think one of the things that people don't understand about the coaching role is that you really are the bridge between the classroom and the administration. Mm -hmm. However, as a coach, you can't just go to the administration and rat out a teacher about something that you see. And it really puts you in a unique position in a school district. So Maybe some of our listeners are thinking about this, or maybe we have instructional coaches that are out there and struggle with this. 
What advice do you have about helping a staff member who might be reluctant towards the help of an instructional coach? What are some strategies that you would do or say? First of all, I, I, I thank you for bringing that up, Courtney, because I, I feel that I have a very trusted relationship with Kate and with my previous administrators. And so I know that I have the freedoms to be able to push people in directions that I might see they need to be pushed, but it's not necessarily something I've talked to her about those, right? There's a, there's a, there's a definitely confidentiality piece and a, yes, I need to indicate to my administrator in this case, it being Kate, you that, Hey, we have a grander, we have a bigger thing that we need to work on, whether it's, you know, we're not, um, we're not doing small groups in a, in a productive way or an intentional way. So we are that bridge, but teachers need to see us in a way that we're really their bridge too. We are their person. We're their cheerleader. Yes. I'm communicating with my administration and yes, I, give them insight to what is the comings and the goings of our day. But my job is not to rat out or be a direct line to my administrator about what's going on in specific rooms. Um, so I think that there needs to be a lot of work done around building that trust between myself and the, the teachers. And without that trust and without that relationship, my work is going to be very minor and so if I'm talking with an individual that I don't have much of a relationship with yet, I want to be visible. I'm in their room. I'm stopping by. I'm writing notes. I'm encouraging. I'm talking to their students. I'm commenting about what I'm seeing. And then slowly, hopefully they see me as an ally. I mean, I want to be their advocate and then let them invite me in. There will be times where I have to just come in. And I think in those opportunities, I like to make sure that it feels positive and that it feels um, as a way to celebrate the good things they're doing out of their room so that the next time they'll say, oh, like maybe I should call her in. She might have an idea. Um, so it's really about relationships. And do we have a strong enough relationships that you can be vulnerable with me to be able to work on that thing that you know is just driving you crazy in your heart about your classroom? I had a, an ex, uh, a conversation actually just yesterday with a brand new classroom teacher and um, she came in not confident and un, uncertain about so much. And she, I got into that classroom. We started talking with one another. We started building a relationship and she actually came to me yesterday and she goes, I'm not sure that I can do my job without you. And I want, and it, it, it makes me kind of like teared up right now. And I looked at her and I said, oh no, I know you can do your job, but I love the fact, and you can do your job well, but I love the fact that you see me as somebody that is an ally in your, in your corner. And that if you're uncertain about something that you reach out to me and that we have this ongoing back and forth relationship where we're working with each other for a greater good, which is student growth. And that to me is a win and, and she's brand new and she's got a lifetime of, an, of, of, um, teaching in front of her. And then if we can start to build those kinds of ideas that this is not a, you know, a singular role, like, yes, I'm not in the classroom with your kids every day of every moment, but the overall big picture is we want all those kids moving forward on their personal growth ladder. And we're in this together. 
if this was a job that we could do on our own, we wouldn't need support people like me. And it's not a job. Kids are hard. Kids are hard. And we need everybody in the trenches working towards it. So building those relationships to make sure that people know that um, I'm just really meant to be their ally. And how can I help with that? But it's hard. It's probably my biggest, my biggest battle. I think oftentimes when you move into a, a place where you don't have a whole lot of relationships, that's what you got to do first. Um, and then they, you know, it's, it's, that takes time. It takes, yeah. a lot. takes more than seven days and less than seven years. <laughs> yeah. How did you come up with seven years? Is that like a thing? Is that a, a research-based? That was from Simon Coach comment. Is that a- no. no, it's from remember um, opening day when we watched Simon Sinek and he was talking about all the data and learning yes. to trust people. And he says it takes, I know it takes more than seven days, but less than seven years. So somewhere okay. between that, you yeah. have all those little moments to, I love that you thought it was me that said it though. Like I'm mad and well, I mean, you say smart <laughs> things all the time. <laughs> Um, Colleen, one of the other reasons or things that you do very well that I think people should know, and, you know, maybe you can share, um, and even be a little vulnerable about is we have a lot of people that call, call in, like we have a hotline, they write in <laughs> and they say, people calling in. That. Yeah, <laughs> they call in and leave us a voicemail. Um, they write in and say, I really want to go into administration, or I really want to take the next step in my career but I'm scared. Like I'm scared because I don't want to spend the money. I don't think I can do it. I don't know what that's going to look like. So can you give me some advice? And you and I have been talking about your personal growth as a human and doing things that make your heart happy. So you recently shared that you're going to go back and get your administrative degree. So why now? Well, I remember having a conversation with Colleen (laughs) when I worked with you, didn't I? Yes, you did. Now you've been tag teamed by Courtney. (laughs) (laughs) And there have been other administrators in my life who have also had those conversations um, with me as well. Here's the thing. It has been on my heart, uh, this idea for a long time. When I left Indianapolis to come to back to Chicago to be close to my family, I was a fourth and fifth grade teacher and decided to go get my master's degree in reading. I did that because I knew I wanted to have the skill set to help a struggling reader. There was purpose behind that. I knew that I needed it for my classroom to be the most productive classroom that I could offer. And then I got into that role and I was like, oh, I'm actually meeting I I have the ability to meet people, not students, staff, adults at their level and help them grow in how to, in being better at growing their own students in reading. And I actually took parts of my coaching role and put it into my reading specialist role. And then I found myself feeling stifled a little bit. Like I wanted to go bigger and Courtney, this is where you come in. I sat down with you in your office and you saw an opportunity where we needed coaches in the district. And you talked to me about that and you explained to me what that role was. And you explained to me the type of individual that could be, and we had a really good heart to heart conversation. And I, I left there thinking that, okay, that's what I want to do next, but still in my heart of hearts, I was like, is it going to be really what gets to me? is that going to be my pinnacle? Is that going to be where I'm going to be able to do my best work? But we jumped in, we did it. 
I have loved being a coach. I, I think I I'm good at it. I'm strong at it. Um, people trust me. I, I have a voice at the table as a coach, but there's still this, this heartstring that keeps pulling at me, but all along I let the particulars of like the typical role or the typical journey one, one might take, like, stop me. Like I'm probably late in my, my career and in my, in my, in my, you know, from a, a financial standpoint, late in choosing to go down this role of getting my type 75, right. I probably should have done it a while ago, but I, I was challenged and I found, found challenges in my current roles as a reading specialist and a coach um, at the time that I didn't need to do that, so those next steps. And now I'm at a point, I sit on these district community committees, I have a voice at the table, I have the opportunity to talk to our administration and making decisions on behalf of our students, our staff, and I know I can make a greater impact. And what's stopping me from doing that right now is this certificate that I need to be able to say that I can be in a higher level position where I can impact and work to make good choices on behalf of students and, and staff in a, in a district. And so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, I, I'm still struggling a little bit with like, yes, I'm doing it because I'm like, am I really going back to being a student? <laughs> but like, as Kate is, Kate and I have talked a lot about I'm good at it. And I feel like I know I have the, the resources. I have the people behind me. I have the knowledge behind me. And now I just need to put it in practice in a much bigger space than as a coach at a building level. And I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared maybe is too harsh of a word. I'm, I'm a little bit fearful. I, I'm a little bit hesitant, but I know I can do it. And I know I'm going to be good at it. And I know that with the help of the people around me and the uh, education that I'll get in the, in the program that I could put things into place for my next steps. I think the other thing that's always held me back is this idea of, I never know, I never really saw myself as wanting to be a, an assistant principal. I, I never wanted, I never really saw myself being in a position where I wanted to do those kinds of roles. My desires around curriculum and growth of both students and staff, and my desires about instructional practices. And I was a little bit blinded by the fact of like, I saw an administrative degree only take me down one role, one road. And that was the road of AP and then principal. And Kate's really, um, you know, enlightened. I think that, that, no. no, that have showed me some, there's other options and that there are positions out there that are focused on curriculum and student growth. And I'm, I'm ready to start that. I don't know what my next steps are, like after I finish and like what will bring, what will come of that, but I'm excited about it. And in the end, I'm kind of being, I'm kind of excited to be a student a little bit too, even though I'm a fearful of it, like I'm ready to bring on more information. I'm, I want to learn more. So I think too, that could build relationships with people who are unsure what they want to do next too. Like, Hey, I'm doing it. I didn't think I was going to do it. I had people in my life all along telling me you should do it. They're surprised that I haven't done it yet. Um, 
So I'm doing it. I'm jumping and we'll see where it takes us. I don't know where it'll go, but um, I'm going to do it. Yeah, you are. And we are so proud of you. We are so excited for you. And this is the type of ambition and motivation that our listeners love so much. And as you know, Colleen, this particular podcast is about F4 leaders, fun, fabulous, fierce females. We believe that you are an F4 leader. As we begin to close out today, who are some F4 leaders in your world that you think people that are listening should be following right now? Well, certainly if they're not following the both of you, certainly they need to be, but if they're watching this or listening to this, they are following you. <laughs> yeah. Sure, and you have right? to say that everyone that comes. Oh, on the podcast says, always <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. <laughs> but one that I think we should go to is a Natalie Wexler. She's a, um, she's a curriculum person. She is a intelligent person. She's fun. She knows how to do professional development in a fun way. And she's a force to be reckoned with. And she's in the realm of literacy and what's best in literacy. Um, and that would be one of my first people that you should be following and reading her, her books and following along on our podcast. That's a great one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for being here today, Colleen. And we're Thank turning you. You were awesome. We're yes. turning it over to Kate to uh, go ahead and sign us out of this episode. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope that if you don't have an instructional coach in your school, you're looking to get one. If you have one, I hope you're trying to get more. Don't try and ask Colleen to come to your school because that's not an option right now. Until then, if you don't have a seat at the table, please remember you can always sit with us. We'll